All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where today we've got a full house, a great show, two very thoughtful guests, two newsmaking guests. I think we're going to break a lot of news. Joining me first today will be Congressman Byron Donalds of the great state of Florida. The congressman is a real mover and shaker in this 2021-22 Congress. He's really had a lot of great speeches. He's engaged in letters and in laws and bills, passages, legislation. He's really moving the needle on a lot of different things. And uh, we're going to talk to him about all things on our mind today. Crime, inflation, the reconciliation bill and its extraordinary costs. So many different things that have people's minds spinning in of great concern. People are concerned about what's going on. That's our first guest. I'm really looking forward to that. And then joining us is David Clements. He's from New Mexico. He's a former prosecutor, violent crimes prosecutor, law professor, has looked into the treatment of the January 6th defendants and whether it's disparately different than other people charged with similar crimes. And he fought a battle with New Mexico State University over their COVID-19 mandates and protocols and was terminated because of the positions he took All of that is going to be on today's show. A really great show. Now, before we get to those two great guests, I want to take you to a place where you'll see just how much news has changed and how we often in Washington don't get the first story, honestly, no matter who's delivering it. Now, the Congressional Budget Office has long been, you know, the arbiter of what we would say nonpartisan facts. Their goal is to call balls and strikes on legislation and give lawmakers an honest assessment about the impact, the cost of legislation. And it really has, through all the years, really tried to remain above politics in the, it has a reputation for doing that. But there was a little bit of a hoodwink, just a little bit of a hoodwink when you take a look at what happened over the last few days. And it's so important to understand what has happened here. So Remember, let's start with what President Biden and the Democrats in the House said. The Build Back Better, the reconciliation bill, the $1.7 trillion bill that has a lot of elements of the Green New Deal in it. They said, the Democrats and Biden said, it paid for itself. It was zero. Cost neutral would not add to the deficit. And then the CBO came out just around Thanksgiving and said, no, 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 no. It's going to add $300 billion to the deficit. And people said, well, Joe Biden didn't tell us the truth. Well, it turns out that the CBO may not have told us the truth because some lawmakers noticed, some congressional members, uh, senators like Lindsey Graham and others noticed, well, wait a second, you're missing some of the items in there, like the expanded child tax credit. And it doesn't seem to be in the calculation. So CBO said, oh, oh, we're sorry. Oops, it wasn't 300 billion dollars and it certainly wasn't free it's actually three trillion dollars that's right the 
Joe Biden reconciliation bill, which has a price tag on the bill of $1.7 trillion, actually is going to add $3 trillion to the American deficit, which, by the way, is almost at $30 trillion now. So this is going to be a 10% increase in our deficit just by one single bill. It took us two and a half centuries to run up a $30 trillion deficit in America, debt, national debt. All right, so think about this for a second. We went from pays for itself to $300 billion to $3 trillion. Now ask yourself, wait a second, if the bill's only $1.7 trillion, how can it be adding $3 trillion to the debt? And the answer is because so many of the cost provisions aren't rolled into that $1.7 trillion number. It is budget gimmickry. The American people do not, do not get an honest picture when these bills are scored out by the committees in Congress. We spend more than the cost of the bill. We add more to the deficit. And all of those lawmakers, Republicans, Democrats, all of those people that allow this to go on should be held accountable, right? Senator Ron Johnson, good friend of this show, has been on maintaining. You know what he said after this came out? All right, went from zero to 300 billion, 300 billion to $3 trillion. And what he said, borrowing a line that Ronald Reagan first said is, government programs once launched never disappear. Actually, a government bureau is the nearest thing to eternal life we'll ever see on this earth. Very funny line from Senator Ron Johnson, one of the big critics of runaway spending in Washington. But the idea that BBB, Build Back Better, you maybe think it is better. Some people think Build Back Broke. It adds $3 trillion. It adds $3 trillion to the deficit. We did not get an honest answer from Joe Biden or the majority Democrats in the House. And shame on them for lying to the American people. They shouldn't have to lie to us to sell their agenda. If they want to sell their agenda, just give us the real cost. And here's something that's very important. That three trillion number might sound vaguely familiar if you've been a Just the News reader or, or a John Solomon podcast listener, John Solomon Reports podcast listener, because the Committee for a Responsible Budget, which is a conservative anti-spending group, they called it right out of the bat. It's going to add three trillion of new debt. They said it. They said it a long time ago. How can they get it right and CBO have to do a triple tap dance to get us an honest figure? Pretty remarkable, isn't it? Well, it tells you that the institutions that we used to rely on to give us the truth in Washington play political games now. The FBI in Russia, the CBO on BBB, the NIH on COVID. We have these institutions we've given billions of dollars and our trust to, and time and again, they don't get things right. And the question is, who will impose a penalty? If we did this, we'd get rolled up. Why aren't these government institutions getting punished for their bad, errant, misleading, dishonest behavior? I don't know the answer, but it's something to ponder as we go to a commercial break. All right, when we come back, Byron Donalds will be here next. Big, big interview. Really looking forward to your first time on the show. Well, not technically, because not that long ago, he crashed an interview I had with Congresswoman Kat Kamek. That was fun. We laughed. Uh, he got on the phone, and I didn't even know. I was like, hey, it's Congressman Donalds. Oh, hi. Hi, sir. That was a fun moment. You probably remember that. But his first full interview on John Solomon Reports coming up right after this commercial break. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now, get 15% off and free shipping at TakeLean.com. That's TakeLean.com and enter the promo code JUSTNEWS15. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS15 at TakeLean.com. One more time, TakeLean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. 
Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As promised, a very special guest joining us right now is Congressman Byron Donalds from the great state of Florida. Congressman, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. It's a great time to be talking. So much news all around Washington and what's going on. I want to start with something that seems to become on a daily basis a lot more concerning to Americans. And that is, uh, as law and order has sort of dissolved in a lot of blue cities, we're seeing these waves of crime, whether they're smash and grab, drive-by shootings. I think we had one uh, the other day at a, you know, uh, there was a vigil and people are getting shot at vigils. Um, How did we get to this point where so many major cities have lost control of their crime? I mean, unfortunately, we got here two ways. I mean, the first is, is that you just have a lack of leadership. Uh, by mayors, by city councils. Um, They do not want to basically put the emphasis on law enforcement to do the necessary job, which is, you know, kind of follow more of the broken window theory of policing that Rudy Giuliani brought to New York City. I think that's that's one of the key reasons that you're seeing this. The other reason, this is the part that's much more, is that there has been a move by the political left to to get elected to district attorney positions, these these radical district attorneys yeah. who only want to prosecute headline, you know, major cases that pop up in news, but don't want to prosecute the, the day-to-day cases that nobody ever talks about. You bring that to any city, you know, the criminal element, they respond just like anybody else responds to incentives. Uh, you're going to see more of the smash and grabs. That's what you're getting. Yeah, it really is. It's remarkable. And as, as uh, you, you see these contrasts, right, you can see the state of Florida where things are in pretty good shape, whether it's under COVID or or crime or uh, uh, the economy. And then you look a couple states over and, and, you know, you're up in the north or the Midwest and there are these massive crime waves. Do you think people are beginning to see a distinction that there's a clear distinction between conservatives and liberals on this issue and people prefer obviously prefer the law and order version, do you think that we've gotten to a point where the distinction is very clear? Oh, absolutely. There's no question. You know, I think, you know, I, I was talking about incentives before. I mean, Milton Friedman said it best. You can tell um, the desire of public policy by how people move and the migration of people yeah. who have an ability to move. And what you've seen is that you have seen an exodus from blue states to red states. Uh, crime in cities is one of the key reasons. And it's not just from, from blue states to red states. It's from blue areas to red areas within blue states. And I think you've seen that migration. People know, they know it when they see it. And what they see, unfortunately, in too many urban corridors is a a lack of desire, a lack of will to actually enforce the law. And so chaos is ensuing. I mean, you had Lori Lightfoot. I mean, she basically blames small business owners for not having enough security. Like, no, the security is the police department. That's the security that we all pay for, we all hire. And when you have mayors who think that way, you're going to have these dangerous situations in the streets, and people are going to respond by leaving. Yeah, voting with their feet. That's that's an amazing uh, uh, dynamic. You have been one of the most important voices. I think one of the most fun things I watch when I watch you on the floor, when you're on television or on Twitter, uh, you remark on something that uh, I think a lot of Americans are saying, why are not more people in Congress talking about inflation, all of the problems that we've created? with inflation. Why do members of Congress not want to have this conversation? 
Well, I think it's important to say here, the the majority in Congress doesn't want to have this conversation. That's right. Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to talk about it. But you have um, virtually every Republican member. And I'll tell you, there's even some rank and file Dems who want to have this conversation, but we're all blocked by Nancy Pelosi. So it's left to having this conversation in news interviews and in media. Um, you know, we're much more verbose on our side of the yeah. aisle about talking about it. The Dems don't want to talk about it because it's Joe Biden's fault. Even they know it. They tell us quietly on the side, like, man, it's, it's additional spending is crazy, but they yep. vote for it. Um, and they vote for it because they can't win elections without the support of Nancy Pelosi and the Democrat Party. They'll lose. And so they end up voting for this stuff and supporting this stuff. But it's just crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It didn't have to be this way except that this is what Joe Biden wanted for his legacy. Now the country's having to pay the price. Yeah, it's really remarkable. And <clears throat> I hear a lot of people saying, where did common sense go? I mean, you just, we, we know that we're smart enough to know if you put kerosene on a fire, you make the fire bigger. Um, do you think there are a handful of Democrats now that have seen the most related, you know, last week's inflation report, the jobs report, all the warning signs that this economy is getting worse and getting into a point where it may take many months or years to recover from saying, you know what, I might step the break now. Do you think in the Senate that uh, Joe Manchin might hold that line? It's possible. I know he's already signaling that today right? Um, about what his concerns are on the Build Back Better, Build Back Broke, whatever Biden's, you know, blunder, you know, whatever the thing is. You know, I think that he's wanting to hold the line on inflation. Uh, there's probably one or two other Democrat senators who want to do the same. But, you know, Manchin's the one that's kind of out in front on this whole thing. Um, I think if, if, if Democrats want to save themselves, they don't push through this bill. This bill is going to destroy more purchasing power over the next two years than any, any type of goodies they might get for their agenda. It's just, you know, it's there. It doesn't make any sense. You can't put this kind of money into the economy. It's not going to go well. You're going to give people more money to stay at home under this bill. And so you're going to exacerbate our labor shortages. You're not going to help them. That's going to cause prices to rise. It's going to make the Federal Reserve have to hike rates. And when that starts happening, we're definitely going to enter into a rough recession that didn't have to happen. So I think the Democrats in the Senate have a real opportunity here to kind of stave some of this stuff off and, you know, just stop the bleeding, you know, stop digging. Yep. Stop digging a bigger hole for themselves to jump into next year. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. You've been a big voice on education, and I know you have been one of the people predicting that we could see a renaissance of school choice. The pandemic, in a strange way, dialed parents into their their children's education in a way we just haven't seen in a while. What is the outgrowth, and what should conservatives be focused on to try to create the next generation of school choice, the next generation of smart education? Well, I think the first thing is is that you have to do what you know my state of Florida has been doing for quite some time. Uh, we have the we have the most uh, robust access for parents to make academic decisions for their children in terms of where their children goes. I, where it goes to school, I think every state needs to follow that model. Right. Um, it's actually made our public schools better, not worse, because the public schools, like any other entity, they want market share too. So it's made them have to actually raise their standards and, and, and do better for, for students. I think the second thing is, is that you have to have a, a system where you start to embrace new ways of education. Um, online education is something that has oh, has been around for about a decade. Now right. there's there's you know there's different offshoots into virtual education, uh, private school vouchers, and you know people say oh vouchers are a dirty word. No, they're not because they're not. you know what food stamps are. Those are vouchers. Yeah, it's that they, exactly. instead of you going to, to school, you go to a supermarket you want to, as opposed to going to the government cheese line, which everybody knows sucks. And so yeah. I think we have to really look at a choice environment, really have an an, an, an economy of education where parents have the ability to be empowered and choose what's best for their child. That's that's where we should be going. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot of red states, West Virginia with its charter school, a lot of new opportunities to give parents and students a choice that they've been deprived of for so long. Uh, we had on this show last week the um, Arizona gubernatorial candidate, Carrie Lake, former TV anchor, uh, endorsed by President Trump. And she said, you know, I, uh, we, got, we have a good momentum on how to fix K through 12 now. We've got you know, parents running and taking control of the school boards. We're vetting the curriculum. You know, maybe there is a reviewable camera on teachers at some point. But the big challenge now is how do we stop the indoctrination that goes on in our colleges? And she had an idea. Just want to get your, your, your take on it and see what you thought. That maybe it's time that parents and college students have the ability to sue and get a refund 
if uh, they're taught stuff like critical race theory instead of real academic issues, things that are ideological rather than fact-based or academic, do you think there's a opportunity, and we haven't had this conversation in a very long time in America, to really take on the higher learning institutions and create a new paradigm for learning and get some of the ideology out? I do. I definitely do. I think because people are realizing, number one, we don't want children to be indoctrinated or young adults to be indoctrinated before they actually get into the real world and see how this whole thing actually works. But number two, and most importantly, I think the bigger part is we need to reform the student loan program. You know, the, the left and the Democrats always talk about how much debt people are having taken on to get these degrees and, 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 and you know, we need to forgive it. Right. What we need to do is actually make sure people borrow the amount of money they need to be economically viable. And so not giving people, you know, $100,000 to get a degree in humanities when you might be able to make $40,000 a year with that degree. Right. And I stress might. Right. Um, that's, in my opinion, what we should be doing. The amount of debt you take on has to be commiserate with the economic viability of what you study. I think if you do that, it, take, it gives you less ability to be indoctrinated because then people will be focused on actual uh, study and coursework that drives economies, not sitting in study in these like these uh, these liberal arts study programs that are run by woke professors. Yeah, yeah, they're almost more like uh, ideological seminars than they are academic opportunities. It's it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, as people step back now, and they start to take a look at the issues in our country. Twenty twenty two is going to be a watershed year. Nomi, the incumbent president, doesn't do well. This incumbent president is doing poorly already. I mean, he's so low in the polls compared to historical numbers for other presidents. What is the issue? What is the question that conservatives like yourself want voters to go into the voting booth next year and ask themselves? Are you better off now than you yeah. were two years ago? And I say that like, and I know what two years ago really was. I mean, right. I'm talking about the beginning of the pandemic. I get it. But is our economy better off now than it was then? The answer is no. Uh, can you? How is your purchasing power? Is your purchasing power better or worse than it was two years ago? The answer is no. Do you think the country is, is safer than it is now or was two years ago? The answer is no. Are our borders more secure? Or are they more wide open than they were two years ago? The answer is they are less secure. Where is America on the world stage? Are we in a better position now than we were two years ago? The answer is no. And so when you look at these questions, what about your child's education? Is that better or worse? The answer is no, it's not better, it's worse. No matter what the situation is, Democrats have led us to a place where our country is failing. And I think voters, when they take stock of all this, they're going to come to the same conclusion we've all come to, that we're not better off and we need to make changes. Yeah, I think that Ronald Reagan asked that question in 1980, uh, or 1980 and it was a landslide. And I think we may be heading into that sort of a, a sentiment right now. Um, build back better. Uh, the what is the big you you've been one of its strongest uh, opponents you've really been able to articulate a lot of things when you look at all the things that just aren't the sheer spending amounts right which we know are going to drive inflation but some of the ideological things stuck into you know what's purportedly a spending bill what are some of the ones that really jump out to you that make you most nervous oh my gosh first of all i'll start with uh you know the child tax credit the earned income tax credit the, the enhanced versions where you're literally giving money to people um, that is not the role of the federal government. We should not be doing this. You put in their child care and, and family leave. These are all things that sound nice, but it's not the role of, of government, especially not the federal government. We should not be doing that at all. And what those things are going to do is going to actually make our labor problems worse, not better. When you give people money and for, for no exchange in value, they're going to make a decision of whether they need to go to work or not, or go to work for as many hours as not, right. which is really the, the, the appropriate way. That causes problems to an entire economy. Um, the climate change stuff, which is in that bill, I mean, these, the, the climate core, when you're basically hiring a bunch of kids to go run around and make sure people are compliant with, with, uh, with what the, the climate deal that might come out of the, the Paris Climate Accords or whatever they're going to come up with, right. uh, that is outrageous. We shouldn't be doing that. Those are the big pieces of that bill that caused me real concerns, real problems, um, because at the end of the day, we you can't run an economy when government is literally putting their thumb on the scale about what a good decision is versus what a bad decision is. When you give people money and when you tell businesses what good climate policy is versus them following the markets and firstly following what their bottom lines are, 
you're always going to get bad decisions that are made. These are not the decisions that people would make on their own, which is actually how you have a functioning economy, is people making their own decision as opposed to being impressed upon by a third party, in this case, the federal government. And there's too many people in Washington, D.C. that have no idea how an economy actually works. Yeah. You've been an articulate voice on the fact that we, you know, we have these vaccines and we're trying to fight COVID, that these vaccines are perhaps the leakiest vaccines that we've ever seen, right? They have a short shelf life of maybe six months and there's a lot of, a lot of breakthrough infections. What's the big learning about big science, big health that we should take from the pandemic? We spent tens of billions of dollars from the time George W. Bush was in office through the end of the Obama presidency. And none of that money prepared us any better. We seem to have the, the perfectly wrong playbook for a pandemic. What, what are we learning about big science and what is the long-term solution? What can Washington do to make this country deal with a pandemic? Because listen, it sounds like coronavirus is going to be around. What, what are we not doing right? How would you reform the system? Well, I think the first thing is, is that you have too many people in the National Institute of Health and in this, quote unquote, you know, science apparatus that are political. They're looking, they're, they're taking their cues from political people. You know, I mean, Fauci is probably, he's the poster child for this. I mean, nobody knew who the heck this guy was before the pandemic started. Now he has like one of the highest name IDs in the country. It's this amazing, guy's writing it? books. I mean, the incentives are all wrong. We shouldn't have people who are following political science when it comes to pandemic pandemics. Just follow science. Look no further than now the mantra of you have to get vaccinated, you have to get vaccinated. The data is crystal clear, especially from the Israeli study, yep. that if you're talking about somebody who didn't have COVID, never, never had COVID, wasn't vaccinated, are they at higher risk than somebody who's vaccinated? Yeah, they are. But if you look at somebody who actually had COVID-19 versus somebody who was just vaccinated, the person who actually had COVID-19 is actually better protected than the person who got the vaccine. Yep. And so, you know, they, they've completely ignored hum, a natural immunity. Yeah. They've ignored T-cell and B-cell memory. Uh, they've ignored antibodies. One of the things I've been pushing for a long time is we should be embracing antibody testing, right. not just case testing, uh, because everybody's body responds differently to the vaccine. That is pretty clear. And so I think instead of having just this one-size-fits-all approach that big science follows, we have to get to the point where people are making decisions based upon the information in front of them. And there's multiple pathways for people to, to get through a pandemic and manage a pandemic from a, from a fiscal side. I do not think we should send uh, checks out to everybody again. I think that was bad economic policy. Yeah. Um, I think that if you're in a situation like this where your economy is shut down and people are out of work because of the pandemic and government shut down the economy, which is what happened. Um, then you create essentially an individualized loan program and people have to demonstrate to you their need, that right? they're out of work because yeah. of the pandemic or to the, to the, they have to demonstrate to the government. And then if you demonstrate that you're out of work because of governmental policy, then your loan is forgiven. But what we did was we put it on the honor system and just gave people money. Well, guess that doesn't work out because there are people who literally could have went back to work and didn't simply because the government was handing out money and they took the money yeah. and that's led to our supply chain issues. It's led to our inflation issues. It's led to our economic issues. Yeah. In New York, $10 billion has been questioned by the state auditor of unemployment funds for COVID that may not have been justified. You, you made some very strong comments right after Thanksgiving about some of these scams that we're now seeing maybe traced back to China and Russia stealing unemployment benefits. Yeah. It doesn't seem like we, even though everyone said, listen, this is going to be susceptible to fraud. It didn't seem like we had a single control system in place. How can we put that much money on the street and not be ready to find or, or, you know, run out the bad guys before they get the money? Listen, I'm telling you right now, John, in Washington, you have a lot of people who don't know what they're doing. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. They think they know. They call themselves experts, but they've ignored the reality on the ground when you're dealing with people, you're dealing with incentives, and with people just making just, just decisions in their life. And I'll tell you, and, it, and this, this story's been the same in human history. If you create a system where people are getting something for nothing, if they're getting checks for no exchange in value, you will always have a pretty good subset of people that will just take the money. It's the path of least resistance. They will take it. 
And so that's why we have to be very careful about how we go about doing those things in the future if we come across a pandemic situation again, because our economy can't take it. Our government simply can't manage it, and it's going to be rife with fraud. So we need to do better and learn from these mistakes. Yeah. Last thing I want to do, you, this summer you, you gave a speech and made a statement that I, I really rang my ears because when I talk to real CEOs in the real world, they talk about this all the time. And other than you, I haven't found any people in Washington to talk about it. The failure of the United States to compete in Africa for Africa's business and its marketplace and ceding so much of it to China is one of the most amazing uh, surrenders that you know, when you talk to people in the corporate world, like we do not understand what our government is up to. We're not playing that. Is there a moment, do you think this president, does the next president have an opportunity or has China got too, it's hooked too far into Africa that it's not a, a viable market for us long term? Well, actually, it's a, it's a great question. I know in my office, we we uh, actually are working on policy and, uh, you know, filed a bill about this very thing. Right. About, you know, to having the administration engage in trade talks and, 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 um, and different uh, opportunities in Africa. Um, you know, Nancy Pelosi doesn't hear Republican bills. She doesn't even look nope. at them. So I'm not doesn't sure look what's going to happen. Right. But the reality is that the Chinese have beat us to the punch again. And it's unfortunate. And it's it's a uh, it's emblematic, unfortunately, of where our politics are. We are so busy in the United States trying to, you know, blame each other or point the finger or worry about which party is going to be in control in Washington. We're literally shuffling chairs on the deck of the Titanic. And while we're busy doing that and people are trying to get TV hits and look, I do a lot of TV interviews. Sure. But when we're when and our whole focus is trying to get on TV and, and create our new book and, 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 and be the next thing that went viral, the Chinese don't care about any of that. They are eating our lunch. And they're, frankly, they're kicking our ass around the world. And we are not paying attention to what really matters. And it's about not only growing our economy and making sure our companies have an ability to operate around the globe, but it's also growing our influence across the globe. The globe, and we have completely lost sight of that. We need to get to get back to that. Whether it's Joe Biden or the next president of the United States, that is where we need to push, and we need to pick up the pace. And I'll tell you, it's not just with Africa; it's nope. with digital assets, it's with it's with cryptocurrencies. It's with all that stuff. We are behind the curve yeah. because Washington is too busy worrying about the agendas from 20 and 25 years ago instead of the agenda of making sure that it's America first going forward. I had a chance to sit with George H.W. Bush uh, before his death, and he said something very profound. People who spend all day looking in the rearview mirror usually crash their car. And I, and I think that's that exactly right. You, you, you have been able to, in your, in your time in Congress, really to highlight the places where we're dropping the ball. We used to be supreme at so many things, and, and today we don't. Your last question, you're going to TPUSA later this week. Charlie Kirk, good friend of mine. Uh, you got a lot of young people. What's the message you want to deliver to them? I mean, you, you, you've been the embodiment of someone who's come to Washington, be, made a lot of change already. What's your, what's your message to them? I, I try to tell young people, we need you. Don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to be engaged in our politics. Um, we need young people to, to really focus in on the future of our country. And then the next big thing is really learn why. Don't just be a Republican because that's what your family and your friends are. Don't be a Democrat because that's what your family and your friends are. Figure out why. What do you want to see? What do you think is actually going to work? Pursue that. Be passionate about it and engage in our politics. Such a great message. Sir, it's always an honor to have you to have a conversation with you. You're, one, you're so thoughtful. You're very policy oriented. And a lot of great ideas are coming from your office. And it's a, just a great honor to have you on. I hope we get you on again soon. Oh, definitely. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. Have a good rest of the day. All right. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, a former senior prosecutor from New Mexico, Dave Clements, is going to join us. He has a lot to say about January 6th, about vaccine mandates and mask mandates. In fact, he uh, gave up his job at the New Mexico State University over dispute over those mandates. Uh, David Clements here, he's got a lot of different things to weigh in on. He's a very knowledgeable guy, and he's got a fun new game that we've learned about here at Just the News. We've got great partners that we uh, have on this podcast just for fun. LLC, a brand new election game. It's going to make you laugh and learn. It's a great Christmas 
Christmas gift. It's just a great way to break the ice on issues like Russia collusion and elections with your friends and actually learn something, playing a game, laughing, maybe having a glass of wine while you're doing it. We're going to tell you about that. David is a big advocate for the game, uh, and he'll tell you a little bit why Election 2020 You Decide is such a fun game for family, friends, break the political ice, get rid of some of the tensions, laugh, and learn about real-life things that occurred in Washington the last couple of years. We'll be right back with our exclusive interview with David Clements right after this. Big thank you to Congressman Byron Donalds in the meantime. Thanks. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest with a lot of experience in the issues that we're dealing with today, whether it's election integrity, violent crime. Uh, my next guest was the former deputy district attorney for Lincoln County in New Mexico and prosecuted lots of violent offenders, murderers, the whole works. Uh, later became a professor at New Mexico State University where he recently was fired because he disagreed with the protocols and the mandates that they were imposing there. Uh, and he's just had a really remarkable career. I thought he could weigh in a lot of different things, including a new game out that's caught my attention. So joining me right now is Dave Clements. David, great to have you on uh, the show. Thanks, John. It's good to be with you. You have this amazing career. You're a private lawyer, prosecutor. I'll just walk us through, because one of the most interesting things is as you've walked through your career, your political leanings or your political philosophy has changed from, from blue to red. Talk a little bit about that journey and some of the work that you've done in your public service. Well, actually, I've, I've more or less been red to more independent. Um, I think my journey is I've always been, I've always considered myself a, a constitutional conservative or small L libertarian. And so that's put me on the outs with your, your more established uh, rhino Republicans. And um, over time, I was about to just give up on the Republican Party altogether. And in fact, it was Trump that made me leave the party. Um, I didn't quite understand who he was. I guess I bought all the media hype in, in 2016. And then after four years, I was pleasantly surprised to be proven wrong on just about everything uh, from his policies to the people that he appointed. And by the time we got into the, the lockdowns, he, he basically was, I just had to admit that I was wrong about him. And so I became a, a very, very big Trump supporter, which was a big surprise to, yeah. yeah. It just, and in academia, that's a, that's a death sentence. You can't openly yeah. support the president. So yeah, that's, that's been my journey. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you worked for many years in the Lincoln County District Attorney's Office and oversaw basically the violent crime division, if I understand correctly. What, um, when you look at where we are at this moment, we, we have a story on Just the News this morning. 12 of the biggest cities all have massive uh, crime, all under Democratic um, leadership right now. How did we get from law and order to unlawful and disorderly cities? Well, it's, I think it's more of a culture. Uh, there's, a, there's a culture of lawlessness that 
as we've dabbled with postmodern relativism, as we've gotten away from natural law and just calling something that's wrong, wrong, we've created an environment where um, boards have been inverted, right. definitions have been co-opted, and everything's upside down. So now when you go into a court of law, you're not being, um, you're not having your decisions heard by judges that were trained in the rich, robust historical background of the founder's intent of of legislation or of, of how to interpret the Constitution. And instead, you've got this progressive strain that is that really has created a very confusing landscape. And so right now, it's very hard to predict with certainty outcomes because there, there seems to be an ideological possession. Yeah. And that didn't happen overnight. It's been 30 years in the making, but it really sped up after the George Floyd uh, incident in Minneapolis. Yeah, just amazing. I had several great minds on this uh, show over the last few uh, few weeks, and all of them said, uh, and Alan Dershowitz, I think, was the first one to say this out loud, <clears throat> and that is that it seems as if we've gotten away from imposing the law and that, you know, he said critical race theory is actually infecting the judicial system. It's not just in the education system. He sees critical race theory and equity uh, our, uh, uh, ideologies influencing what should be just basic examinations of the facts and the law. Do you agree with that assessment? Do you think there's a, a, an ideological change that's occurred in the court in the court and judicial and prosecutor system? I do. Um, in fact, every attorney has to take continuing legal education courses to maintain their license. And I've been struck by just how social justice nonsense has been grafted into every single course that we have to maintain it. And what's odd about it is that We've got certain standards before an expert can offer his opinion in a court of law right. it's called the Daubert standard. And critical race theory is not provable. There's there's no there's nothing out there that suggests that you would actually get to have that opinion before a jury in a court of law uh, if you just applied the black letter law. So that's very odd that we've got something that is in one of these weird quasi social sciences that's not objective. There's no evidence that actually shows that the the prescription or curing racism actually works, yet courts have, through an extrajudicial measure, started forcing attorneys to just basically embrace the woke mob nonsense. And so I, I would, would totally agree with, with Dershowitz on that count. Yeah, really, really fascinating moment where we're, we're facing and you can see the strife in the cities. And, you know, the, way, the amazing thing is this is a blue red argument in D.C., right? It's But when you get to the cities, it doesn't matter what your political philosophy is. You do not like the crime and the destruction and the violence and the fear that you might walk on the street and get shot or or carjacked or have your store smash and grab. It seems to have lost its political uh, uh, you know, ideology when he gets to the local level because people are feeling the consequences of it. And I think the greatest moment to see is a year ago, we were talking about defunding the Minneapolis police. And now they're talking about putting more money into Minneapolis police than before George Floyd. Are you are you struck that the reality on the ground probably will be the thing that drives this more than the ideology long term? People say, I've had enough of this. I'm not going to be afraid to walk out of my home anymore. Yeah, well, there's there seems to be a battle be between you know good and evil, the, the, the godless Marxist communist uh, takeover, and we the people, and and we the people just have to find our courage. It, we've been asking permission for far too long um, from politicians and judges to really live our lives in, in an unfettered way. And if we wake up in mass, then the nightmare is over. And I think we're starting to see a vestige of that in our school board meetings with. Yeah. You know, our super mom showing up saying, you're not going to call my kid a racist just by virtue of his skin color. Um, we're seeing a revival in the way that people look at elections and making sure that we have greater accountability there. And then in the medical tyranny front, we've got moms and dads that are more educated on these experimental drug vaccines than the doctors are. And so we are it's seeing amazing, isn't it? a level of awakening in one calendar year. It's amazing to see that transformation. Yeah, no, it, it is. Uh, it is really stunning. I want to uh, pivot for a second because uh, we're talking about the vaccines and medical knowledge and the pandemic. Uh, you were a distinguished professor, a professor at uh, New Mexico State University. Tell us what happened there that caused you uh, to leave the university. What uh, what was going on with their mandate that concerned you? Well, I had a big target put on my back when I stood up back in January, first and foremost, for just saying that, look, people are rushing to judgment on what happened at the Capitol. There's just no way within 24 hours you have a set narrative that these are Trump 
insurrectionists. There's just too much video out there. And I spoke out about that and ended up on Tucker Carlson's show. And from that point on, I had this giant bullseye by every Marxist academic in the country that was just coming after me. So I've been on the hot seat for a while. But then in August, we uh, re-upped our mask mandates in New Mexico. And not only that, we were required to take the experimental drug vaccine. And if you didn't, you had to take that flawed PCR test. And so I've you know, one of the odd things for me is I'm actually a subject matter expert in consumer protection. <laughs> That's what I teach. And so for, for me to go out and lie to my students saying, hey, if you wear this mask, it will make you safer. When I know the literature doesn't support that, that's a deceptive practice. That actually violates federal law. I'm, I'm an employee of an institution and I'd, I'd be giving incorrect legal advice. And so I couldn't participate in the charade the vaccine was actually a much safer thing to talk about. It was the mask that most people said, look, it's easy. I can I can put this on. Let me just get by. Yeah. Um, but in good conscience, I couldn't teach 45 students sitting in front of me and say that this is OK. I mean, the facts are the facts. We have to embrace critical thinking. And I just didn't like the hollowness coming from my own voice, thinking about how I teach these students. So day one, I recorded uh, my class said that I'm not going to wear a mask and I'm not going to require anyone else to do that in my class. It's between you and God. Um, if you want to report me, feel free to do. They did. And I was suspended immediately. I had a hearing that I recorded. It was an employment termination hearing. And I walked through the law and I walked through the VAERS data. And uh, not one claim that I made on the law or on the science was rebutted by the institution. But once again, I, I'm, I'm dealing with ideologically possessed people that don't want to really talk about the real facts. Um, so that led to my, my termination in uh, mid-October. Wow. Amazing time. That yeah, As a professor, you can't even teach things that may be completely factually true because they go against the approved narrative. I guess that's what we're living in now, an era of approved narratives, right? Well, that, that's been my experience. And, and I'm not alone. Uh, there's been many folks that have joined me uh, in the unemployment uh, rounds, but um, because of my work on elections and just trying to uh, red pill as many folks as possible, I, I've been taking care of just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to January 6th for a second. Obviously, as a prosecutor, you wouldn't condone the violence that went on at the Capitol, but the storyline is what troubles you. And then also tell us a little bit about, you know, having been a prosecutor that equally applied the law to defendants for a long time. Are the laws being equally applied in this case uh, compared to other cases with similar crimes? Well, this is probably the most sickening aspect, because when you look at the tape that's out there, you've got hundreds of thousands of people that peacefully attended. Now, you you certainly had bad apples that went to the Capitol. But when you have clear video that shows that gates were being moved, that Capitol Police were taking selfies in many cases with uh, the Patriot mom, it 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 presents questions. And. and so the first thing that I would mention is that under the law, every person that's accused, whether you like them or not, is entitled to exculpatory evidence. The, yep. the case for that is Brady versus Maryland. Of course. You're entitled to it. You get it. Historical case, yeah. And and when we find out that there's 14,000 hours of video footage that has been withheld under some quasi-national security excuse, that's just not founded in the case law. Uh, the other thing is that we all have a right to confront our accusers. So you can't really know who all the people are when you're hiding behind secrecy. So that's strike number two. And then number three, many of the the charges are misdemeanor in level. So while we're, 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 we're being told about this thing called insurrection, not one defendant was charged with insurrection. And so the, the, the tragedy is you've had over 650 defendants arrested processed at some point, you still have anywhere from 50 to 60 prisoners that are being held, and most of which have no criminal history. They're not flight risk. Many of them turn themselves in. So when you assess bond and conditions of release, the two things that you want to make sure is, if this person is out, are they going to hurt someone? And two, will they not appear for court? Uniformly, through hundreds and hundreds of these defendants, you don't have those risks, yet on misdemeanor charges, they are being held in deplorable conditions uh, much worse than the cases that I handled. And I handled violent crimes. I mean, I had people that got out of, after a few months that had rap sheets. And when I look at these people that were there praying and just standing up for who they believed is the rightful president to be politically persecuted, 
and rounded up. I mean, the stories of the roundups are tragic. People showing up at six o'clock in the morning with SWAT-like vehicles, yeah. held at gunpoint in front of their children. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that that bothers me because that's that's lawlessness. And most of the prosecutors involved, I think, in any sane environment, would be uh, basically have complaints filed against your licenses for prosecutorial misconduct, and they're negotiating plea deals without evidence. That's you can't have a knowing and intelligently made plea deal if you don't have all of the evidence. Yeah. So they're going forward. It, it's it's tragic no matter how you slice it up. And I say this as a guy that used to look forward to putting the bad guys behind bars. Yeah, that's I'm, right. I'm more of an advocate for, for criminal defendants. I've never thought I'd see myself doing that, but it's true. Yeah. Listen, even the judge supervising some of these cases has expressed alarm at, at the standard. You know, you look at the country and, and, and I, I did a lot of the original work on the Russia collusion case, unraveling it. And, uh, you know, it's become almost a mantra or almost I think people are numb to it. But there are two justice, two systems of justice. But you take a look, a guy in Milwaukee gets out on a five hundred dollar bail after running his girlfriend over the uh, over with his car. Allegedly, he gets let out and he, he obviously creates the massacre that occurred in Waukesha. And then you have these first-time offenders. By the way, he's like a career felon. He's, he's got a rap sheet that uh, could, could make a small book on Amazon. Um, and then you've got these first-time offenders, which have low-level federal crimes. Again, not condoning the behavior, but in the seriousness of crimes, not at the magnitude of what, what uh, happened in Milwaukee and Waukesha. And they haven't left their prison cells in, in six, eight, nine, ten months now. Uh do you think we have a dual system of justice? And as a lawyer and as someone, an officer of the court, how would you go about starting the process of fixing this? I think it starts with holding the judges and the attorneys accountable. Most of the rules of professional conduct have been modified where, you know, the way that you used to file complaints would be just by your client if you've harmed them or other lawyers because it's a self-regulating profession. That's changed, I think. And it's been changed by the Perkins Coey attorneys out there to weaponize political attacks against people that are fighting against medical tyranny and against uh, election fraud. We need to use that weapon against them. So if we can find out who these prosecutors and judges are, I'd encourage people with large audiences to get the emails, get find the disciplinary addresses and file complaints against them for misconduct, because that's exactly what they're doing. And let them go through that process. You might even create a conflict of interest along the way and get these corrupt judges off these cases. Wow. Just one idea. Yeah. Well, listen, that happened in Missouri. Uh, in Missouri, the prosecutor who took down a, a Republican governor on a fake case, turns out they had to withdraw the case because they had none of the evidence to back it up. She's now facing 60 plus uh, counts of uh, professional misconduct and, and really in danger of losing her law license in February. So the process can work if you can make a, a you know, if you have legitimate evidence, it, it does actually work. You could see the chief prosecutor of St. Louis uh, County potentially lose her law license early next year under this disciplinary process. So it definitely works, uh, David. It's a good point that I think a lot of people haven't thought about. I want to pivot to something else. Uh, there is a new game out there, Election 2020, You Decide. It is a fun game because it has a lot of serious issues about election integrity, about Russia collusion, but it allows you to laugh and have a little bit of fun. Now, in fairness, I want to say right off the bat, Just for Fun LLC, which is the maker of that game, is an advertiser for this podcast. So we, we they, they support us in that way. But you're just a, you're, you're an advocate for this game. Yeah, I think you enjoy the game. And uh, and it's a fun way to learn about things that maybe weren't in your newspaper or on your radio broadcast or TV uh, newscast at night that really are confirmed about election, about Russia collusion. Tell us a little bit about the election 2020 you decide game, why you like it so much and why you become such an advocate for it. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, I, I, I've been asked to, to sponsor things in the past and just I'm not a salesman. I, I'm, I'm a trial attorney by, by training, and I dedicate most of my time trying to get to the bottom of who stole the election, how it happened in November 3rd. So I know that the election was stolen. I believe you know the election was stolen. Most people now, according to Rasmussen polls, know that the election was stolen. But our biggest enemy has been platform suppression. And so you can't talk about these things because you'll get kicked off at YouTube or Twitter or Facebook. And so we wanted to be creative in basically discussing everything we just talked about during this interview, the summer of love, the Antifa riots, yeah. uh, campaign corruption, the Russia hoax, the, the China virus, and put them in a packaging where it's effectively a Trojan horse where we can get truth to people in a way that they might not otherwise have the patience 
or maturity to handle because this is very depressing. So think of the Babylon B meets Trivia Pursuit. Yeah. That, and you know what? That's the best description of the game. I've been trying. That's been rattling in the back of my head. You just said it in a way I couldn't say it. That's what this is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but but only that. It, and the reason why I'm, I'm so impressed with the game, if it's just Trivia Pursuit, well, you've, you've been there and done that. This incorporates something that I haven't seen in any game before, which is the QR code technology. So yeah. uh, at any point in the game, you know, you can roll the dice, you can get on a, on a card and pull it up, and you're asked a question about Dr. Fauci. And you might not believe how many times he has flip-flopped. Well, you, you click your phone over the QR code and you get the videos of him flip-flopping up to six uh, media-rich files that are there every time. Yeah. So it's got this incorporation and an ability to repurpose the greatest distraction from, from us getting the truth, which is usually our cell phones. We repurpose them to be a part of the game. And then you get to laugh and have a great time. So, I mean, the, the, the game itself conceptually is brilliant. You've got the outside game. You're trying to collect electoral votes up to a point, and then you get into the inside game, just like you have in real life. Yep. And, and along the way, you can be, you can lose a turn and end up in a safe space. If you've been triggered. <laughs> of uh, course you got, will. Of course that's the punishment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got um, certain States just like in the real world that you can't win or buy. It's yep. built into the game. So if you're a Republican, you can't win California, New York. You can't buy it. It's just like real life. So <laughs> you've got all kinds of corruption baked into it to have some fun with it. The intention, of course, for me isn't to just have fun over something really sad. It's to educate people, have a sense of community. And what I envision is on election night, whether it's May or June, we're all waiting for the returns to come in. It would be fun to have this game out. We can learn uh, you know, about the most bizarre year that I can ever remember. Yeah, you ain't and, kidding. And it's, <laughs> it's a time capsule, and maybe we can learn something to make sure that we don't run into the same problems that we've had over the past couple of years. You know, the, the Trivial Pursuit-like cards are really amazing because they're all rooted in real factual stories that a lot of people probably just haven't heard because either through suppression or they're just simply busy. Uh, you know, there's stories in there. There are, there are cards in there that are clearly based on just the news stories that we know to be 100% true. Uh, it, it is an education game, but you laugh, you have fun. Uh, you you can be a Democrat or a Republican and laugh at this and have fun and and, uh, and learn something along the way. And you're right, the interactivity is really cool. When you put that QR code up, you can literally, like uh, Warner Wolf, the old sportscaster said, let's go to the videotape. You can literally go see with your own eyes something that probably occurred in the media that wasn't covered and you go i can't believe that fauci said that or i can't believe that uh, was affirmed by the state or by the wisconsin supreme court uh it, it it's so amazing to have a game where you can learn and i've been trying to find an example because I, I, i've enjoyed the game i played it the other day with some friends it, it is a blast it's kind of like a little bit, you know, probably different ideology than yours. But, you know, John Stewart had a way of using humor to deliver real news to you. And, you, you know, and you'd say, OK, I get that. I didn't see that clip. Wow. He really said that this game has like a little bit of John Stewart. And then you're right. I, I thought the the Trivial Pursuit concept of it is it's exactly right. How do people go about getting this game? I mean, I, how did you get the game? How, if you want to give it as a late Christmas gift, what would you do? Yeah, I, I think you just go to electionfund.com and you'll be able to uh, order the game there. Uh, the, the the website is active, and yeah. hopefully one day we'll see it on game game shelves where you can you know you can click on the QR code on the outside of the box yeah. and it walks you through it. But the website's amazing; it really does break down all the different features. But electionfund.com, dot com, um, I can't I can't uh, stress how fun this game is. I'm not someone who, who just plays games. I'm not really a gamer, but I yeah. sat down. And I was having, I was just giggling. It was just the, the absurdity of even the game card itself is an election ballot. Yep. And if you look at it, it's just. It looks just like you're going to vote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there, there, there's a lot of creativity in this. Uh, the, the creators of this put a lot of time into uh, the, 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 the contextual details, a lot of little details. And every time you play it, you're like, oh, I didn't think of that. Oh, that's funny. And I assume this is a game that could keep on giving because you can update the cards every six months. Lord knows Washington's going to give us a lot more material to, to play a game like this going forward. It, it seems like a game that's going to have a living um, aspect to it of, of growing out over, over the years. What do you think? Yeah, you can not only can you add the cards, but because of the QR code technology, it pulls up a a digital mix, basically a digital postcard where yeah. you can push on videos. We can replace those videos as new material comes in. So if we had some hallelujah moment where Dr. Fauci was arrested, we could put that into the mix and update it. So the game is not static. It, it basically 
unlike the Constitution, it is living. Yeah, it is a really fun thing. And uh, it's the new rage for Christmas. If you're looking for a last minute Christmas gift, guys, this is a funny one. As I said, just for uh, just for fun, LC is one of our advertisers for this podcast. So we want to be straight about that. But when you look at this game and you look at uh, what's been done with it, it is fun. It's educational. And yes, you can play it with Democrats or Republicans or independents. And you guys could have a good laugh and learn a couple things, maybe even agree on a couple things when you're done, because the facts won't lie, and that's that's what makes this great. Uh, David, how do people follow your good work? I mean, you, you're in, you're you have your finger in a lot of important issues. How do people follow what you do? The best way to get a hold of me is on Telegram. It's one of the few places where I haven't been banned at the Professor's Record, and I also have another thing on Telegram called the Prisoner's Record, where we support our January six prisoners by uh, raising money, doing prayer groups, letter writing campaigns. We want to make sure during the holiday season that these families that have been separated aren't forgotten. Absolutely fascinating and uh, really interesting opportunity to to learn and observe and and um, and uh, see what you're doing. I mean, there's so many facts. One of the things I've learned, and it's hard for me to, uh, as a journalist, to realize it, but uh, history in the 21st century evolves a lot slower. Even though we have all the speed, getting to the truth becomes harder and harder. And so, you know, a lot of times people say, well, it took five years to unravel the Russia case, and that's true. And I think what happened on January 6th, what's happening with the pandemic, history is still to be written, even though the events are long past. I don't think we know the truth about these things. And that's why being determined like you and I and others are to get to the facts. All we want are the facts. We're not trying to create a predetermined outcome, but just getting those facts is a slow, <laughs> slow process. It's funny. We live in the fastest era of, of world history, but getting true sometime is the slowest process. It's, it's really a weird thing to have happen, David, isn't it? Well, I, I can't agree more. It's, uh, I think just like when Jefferson talked about, if you read the newspaper, you're not uninformed, you're misinformed. And I think <laughs> what we're feeling is, is a barrage of having that feed onto yeah. our phones, our TVs. It's a lot of misinformation. So I, I think you're right. It's harder to get to the truth. Um, but people are stepping up. I think new relationships with the media are being developed through, I, I, you know, I call them kind of second tier. They're not second tier in my eyes, but they're, they don't have the same reach as their mainstream media. And we're finding our news in different ways now. So I, it's really cool to see other folks come on the scene with a, with a new citizen journalist on the horizon. Yeah, it's very exciting. That's why we started Just the News and why we have this podcast. And of course, while you've created the game, doing all the things that you're doing, uh, it uh, there's a brave uh, opportunity out there for the future. And uh, the great thing is American people are very discerning. They can figure out a scam when they see one. <laughs> I agree. That's great. David, I hope to get you back on the show sometime uh, in the near future. Uh, great talking to you. Thanks for all your insights. Uh, your, you know, All the work you've done over the years is such important work, and it gives us a real-life um, experience for or uh, analysis for what we're going through right now in, in America. So much appreciated. If we don't talk to you before, have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, John. Have a great holiday. Take care. You too. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Um, so glad that you could stick around for two great interviews today. I thought I learned a lot. I'm very impressed by what I was able to learn today from those interviews. A lot to think about, a lot to comprehend and realize that we're 
peeling back the layers. So listen, getting truth in Washington is no longer a binary project. It isn't a yes or no thing. It takes days and weeks. And the story of the CBO score is a great example on the Build Back Better reconciliation bill. We saw it in Russia. We saw it in the pandemic. We saw it on Hunter Biden. There's nothing wrong with Hunter Biden. Oh, 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 wait, wait. He was under criminal investigation. Actually, Sorry about that. Unbelievable, right? Really, really remarkable. All right. We're going to keep peeling back those layers. That's why we do what we do, right? It's why we do this show, why we have a whole website, why I left my job at the Hill to come do this. I want to help peel back layers so you can get the truth and then make up your own mind. You can maybe for something, against something. I'm totally cool with that. I don't care. Uh, I mean, I care what your opinion is, but it's not my job to try to influence your opinion. My job is to give you facts so that you can make it. Now, before we go, I do want to influence you on one thing. We have a remarkable group of advertisers, sponsors, supporters of this show. All of them do amazing things for you and I. They have great products. They have great services. They advertise. They support our reporting. We can't roll back Russia, Ukraine, China, all the things we rolled back without the advertisers who support this brand. But they also do something for you. They offer you incredible, incredible opportunities, deals, specials, things you can't get in the public, but because you are a Just a News fan, a John Solomon Reports fan, you can. And one of those are my good friends at Omaha Steaks, which by the way, I grilled up some of their burgers this weekend. Oh my God, were they amazing. I mean, just amazing. I'm also hooked on their bacon wrap filet mignon. Oh man, anything with bacon and filet mignon sounds good, right? I have my wife's parents and family coming in from Wisconsin for the holidays. We're going to grill out a couple times. Omaha Steaks is going to be on my grill lot. I can't wait for it. But if you're looking for that last best gift for someone, the best steaks of your life, what do you do? You go to Omaha Steaks. That's America's original butcher since 1917. Think about that. 1917 that they've been around for. And they were the original Amazon. They were delivering food long ago. Visit omahasteaks.com today, okay? And you're going to get ready for this. Listen to this. 50% off one of their best packages. 50% half off. That's like a fire sale. You don't get those at the Blue Light Specials at Kmart. 50% off. All you got to do is use the keyword, just news, all one word. So you can get a great gift. You'll achieve gifting greatness. I love that line. And you have your friends and your family together. You're going to be able to serve them a delicious meal. Maybe you're going to send that meal to them or a series of meals to them. It's not too late to get those holiday gifts in. Hurry up. Go to omahasteaks.com. Put in the keyword just news. Go get some steaks. 50% off plus. Remember those steak burgers I just told you about? The filet mignon burgers I had over the weekend. You're going to get 50% off and eight free Omaha Steak Burgers, when you order today, just use the code word Just News in the search bar when you start on omahasteaks.com. Listen, go support them. When I do the stories I do, whether it's about James Comey or the Wuhan lab or the congressman who said he was against China but doing business with him, all the different things we do on a daily basis to bring transparency, honesty, accountability to Washington, it's because of the great folks like Omaha Steaks. So go today. Do me a favor. Go to omahasteaks.com. At least check it out. Put Just News in the search bar. See what is. Let them know by putting Just News in you. Let them know that you're a John Solomon Just the News fan. And just see what you can get. These are great gifts. I've given out a bunch of them this year. And you should too. So omahasteaks.com. Type in Just News in the search bar. And guess what? Half off. 50%. What are you waiting for? That's a deal of a lifetime. Go do it. Make your Christmas and someone else's Christmas a lot better with the great food at Omaha Steaks. All right, folks, that wraps it up for today. Thanks to Congressman Byron Donalds. Thanks for David Clement's great interviews, insightful knowledge. That's why we have this inning. We want to give you facts. You're going to make up your own mind. All right, that wraps it up for the day. We will see you tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and may God bless this extraordinary country, the United States. Yes, you've been listening to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from you know where, justthenews.com. God bless and good night. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.